You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today, I want to take a look at a New York Times article that once again denigrates motherhood and mothers and uh, the family as well. And I mean, this is this is a common, very common theme in the New York Times. <laughs> There's at least one, if not three or four articles that demean women, that um, that denigrate women and the family, and that have a feminist, very strong feminist undertone, if not just a tone or overtone. And these ideas have consequences. And it's, you know, we see the consequences all around us, which I'll get to later. Um, also, next week, I think I'm going to do an episode. It might be two-parter because there's a lot to cover, but I want to do the history, get into the history of the feminist movement and see how we got to where we are in culture. But the title of the article today is Jobs Plenty, But a Shortage of Care Keeps Many Women from Benefiting. The subtitle is A Lack of Child Care and Elder Care Options Has Forced Some Women to Limit Their Hours or Sideline Them Altogether, Hurting Their Career Prospects. Now, before I get into the article, I just want to make a disclaimer. I'm not saying that women shouldn't work or that mothers shouldn't work, but it has now become the default position of our society and our culture that if a woman or a mother doesn't work, she's seen as somehow less than or she's seen as some sort of anachronism or, you know, some someone to be pitied. And that's what just when I read these articles, it, it just uh, upsets me. So I want to get into this piece. Uh, it was written by three people and it came out, I think, a week ago or a week or two ago. But um, I just I read, you know, <laughs> I read these articles <laughs> In the New York Times, and uh, they just flabbergast me. I just, I, I just, I don't understand what is going on. Obviously, again, these writers are writing from a place of of darkness. They're writing pr- from a place of not knowing the truth, not knowing God, and so, of course, this is going to be what they they write about. And so in the first paragraph, the writers say a dearth of childcare is causing many women to reorganize their working lives and prompting some to forego jobs altogether, hurting the economy at a moment when companies are desperate to hire and forcing trade-offs that could impair careers. So notice in the very beginning of this article, it's the whole point is this is being a mother and not being able to work is hurting the economy. That's the point of it. It's not about (laughs) hurting a child. It's hurting the economy. So it goes on to say, although plenty of men have, and it compares men and women in the workforce, of course, 
because they always have to take a dig at men and bash men. So it says, although plenty of men have also taken on increased care duties since the pandemic began, women perform most caregiving in America. And again, this is just once again, undermining the man, the, you know, the man in the household, the leader uh, in the household. And it's just, again, denigrating men as well. And it's attacking the family. Uh, And then it it goes on to say um, that mothers, it, it says mothers still work less than other women. So notice that line, that sentence, mothers still work less than other women. They're, they're completely just disregarding the fact that raising children is a full-time career. It's a full-time job, and it's the most important job in the world. Again, I'm going to read this again because it's so out of control. Mothers still work less than other women. As if mothers don't work. Again, mothers are vital and motherhood is vital and and again it's just once again attacking mothers attacking women who quote-unquote stay-at-home mothers which i've talked about in another episode which is an absurd uh term stay-at-home mothers it's just the term should just be mothers um i don't know when that term was coined i probably in the 80s or 70s uh after the the feminist movement but the article goes on to say that A deeper dive into the Labor Department's monthly survey of households shows that unmarried women without college degrees who have young children have returned to work more slowly than others, a sign that the shortage of care is making them particularly vulnerable. Now, I understand, like we live in a a time and a period in history where we, there are single mothers, obviously, and there are, there, there are families that need double incomes. I'm not I'm not unaware of that. And I'm not denigrating that. I just was struck by this idea that the shortage of care is making them particularly vulnerable. And it's like vulnerable to what? To being a mother? To caring for your young children? That's, That's a bonus. Rather than looking at it as making these women vulnerable, we should see it as making these women able to stay home and nurture their children. I mean, that's, so it's just, again, it's just a completely twisted view of motherhood. The article goes on, those forced to cut back on work could face lasting disadvantages. They are missing out on an unusual moment of worker power (laughs) in which many employees are bargaining for higher wages or switching to more lucrative jobs. So again, it's like motherhood is seen as irrelevant. Uh, just they just dismiss motherhood altogether, and it's like the whole. You're. It's like if you stay at home with your children, you're missing out on a lucrative career. Like, why would you? Why on earth would you stay home with your young infants or children that need you? Because there are lucrative careers out there. And again, I know that we are in. A time in history where this is the norm, but I just want to push back a little bit on this because this this is a dangerous norm that by default women are are supposed to have a full time career and be full time mothers at the same time, and it's so 
it's so awful to women. It's just mean to do that to women. It just puts enormous pressure on women in our culture that they have to, you know, women can, I, I don't know when, I think in the nineties, that was when the, the whole phrase women can have it all, you know, it, like it became a thing on Oprah Winfrey or Martha Stewart or whatever, like women can have it all career, family, love life. Like it, it's like, I, I forgot who said this, but, uh, I think Nancy Piercy talked about this in the last episode that yes, women can have it all, but not all at the same time. I forgot who quote, who said that. And then the article goes on to say economists have long identified a lack of available and affordable childcare as a reason that American women do not work more. So again, it's all about economy and it's, it's like, what about family? What about the family? What about the importance of the family and nurturing young children and infants. Uh, and again, this go, I, I talk about this all the time, but, and this isn't just about women. This is about men too. I mean, when there's not this family unit that is, uh, all working together in concert to nurture and raise children in love and to give them the, the attention that, that children need, we we see the results of it all around us. I mean, I live in LA. I just it's crazy here right now. There's home so much homelessness. There's mental ill, which is a result mostly of mental illness, which is a result of drug addiction, which is a result of 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 trauma in childhood. From from a lot of it is from from lack of you know lack of love from parents in childhood. And broken families and divorce. And the New York Times, again, I always say this. The New York Times is always stunned and shocked at, at the homeless crisis or this crisis or the drug, the opioid crisis. And it's like, New York Times, dear New York, New York Times, you created this crisis by, by, by penning these kinds of articles for the last 50, 60 years and, and more even. But, it's 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 a constant assault on the family. These kinds of articles, and obviously TV shows and movies, et cetera, do the same thing. But the New York Times is kind of like the the main culprit that's sort of driving these other institutions and these other kind of uh, media outlets. And so it's just it's it's so f- crazy to me that there the New York Times is always surprised at kind of the the crumbling of society. And it's like, well, you caused it. (laughs) Okay. Again, it says, again, it's all about, it's all about the money, right? It's all about the economy. And it says until 1995, the U S was the world's leader in terms of female labor force participation, says a, a Harvard economist. Now, this host of countries that we used to think were backward in terms of gender norms have exceeded the U.S. So, again, it it goes back to gender norms. And, again, the the New York Times and the feminist movement, which we'll get into next week, but it's it's just constantly pitting men against women and distorting gender norms that were created by God in Genesis 1 and 2, because we know in Genesis that God created men and women with equal value, but with different roles. I mean, 
again, the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, they have equal value. They, they're equal in value, but they have different roles, just as men and women do. And by the way, being a mother is the most amazing role anyone could ever have. I've talked about this before. It's the most creative thing you can do in life. It's the most beautiful vocation you can have in life. Going to to work 80 hours a week as a lawyer or something is the, is, is the most taxing, burdensome thing you could do. Being a mother is a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to be. So... Um, I just want to encourage you guys out there who, who, if you're mothers and you, you feel kind of this assault by society, this attack on you as a mother, as a stay at home mom or whatever, I, I want you to, to just realize that it's all a lie. It's all a feminist lie. And it's, a, it goes back to, uh, well, it goes back to Satan because Satan wants to kill, steal and destroy. Satan wants to destroy not only us, but he wants to destroy the family. He, he wants to destroy everything. Um, and then the article goes on to say, employers are missing a key source of labor at a time when they have nearly two job openings for every unemployed person. And again, children are missing a key source of nurture. So it doesn't even, this article doesn't even take into account children. It doesn't take into account the well-being and the health of children. And all it, it's concerned about are employers and the economy. Uh, it's not concerned about women. This article is not concerned about women. This article is concerned solely about the economy and pushing this kind of feminist ideology to attack the family. So again, it's missing the point that instead of employers are missing a key source of labor, children are missing a key source of nurture. That's the point. And I think of my own mother, she, my grandmother actually had her own business. My, my grandfather was an architect and my grandmother decided that she wanted to go into business and had her own business. And my mother really suffered the consequences of that because she did, I think she did it when my mother was very young, maybe, I don't even remember, maybe two years old or something. And so my mother was essentially raised by my grand, my, by her grandmother. And my mother, because of that, had all kinds of, uh, mental health issues because it wasn't until late into, I think in her thirties, my mother realized that she, she realized that she started going to counseling and she realized that as a, as a child, as a young, young child, she felt, even though she didn't realize it at the time, she was rejected. She felt that rejection from her mother because her mother, I mean, I love my grandmother. She was amazing, but she, my grandmother, for some reason chose work <laughs> over, she didn't need to work. Uh, so she chose to work over, you know, raising my mother and it really had this negative impact on my mother and it, it followed her throughout her entire adulthood. And she had a lot of, um, insecurities and, uh, a lot of just anxiety and emotional issues because of that. So I'm, I'm so thankful to my own mother that, you know, my mother, my own mother stayed home with us. Um, we had, I mean, she had eight children, 
<laughs> so my mother had help with her, you know, but she was there all the time with us. She was at home and, um, my father worked, you know, 40 hours a week. My father was a lawyer and he worked, but he was always, you know, my father was very just regimented. Like he was home every night at, I want to say like 5.30, he came home at every night, every night, 5.30. We had dinner at six, all of us around the table, all 10 of us around the dining room table. We had dinner together every night. And every time before dinner, my dad would say grace over the meal. And it was just so, it just created such an environment of security and consistency that has helped me throughout my life. And it's, it's so, uh, that's so important to, to build that security for, for kids. And I appreciate that about my mother. And, and when I actually, when I was in high school, I was obviously the last child in my family in high school. And my mother at that point, I think I was a sophomore in high school. She just decided to start going into my father's office and helping in helping work with him and she was basically like, like his secretary or one of his secretaries or something. I can't remember <laughs> what she did. But even then, she she asked me later on, if she asked me, I think a few years later, that if that affected me because, the, because she wasn't home after I got home from school in high school. But by that time, you know, I was a teenager and it was fine. You know, so it didn't really affect me, but I was so grateful to have her there with me. And I just, there were so many moments as a child. I remember this moment in kindergarten. She picked me up from kindergarten and we went, uh, because kindergarten ended at noon and the rest of my siblings got out of school at like three, I think, I think, but we, she picked me up and we went and, and got food somewhere at a restaurant to go and we got, we went home and I just remember this, like we just had this kind of magical moment together that, that afternoon we, it was just like, it was just, it was just my mother and myself. And we just had this kind of time together and it was such a, I'll never forget it. It was such a kind of quiet, lovely time with her because normally there were so many kids running around the house that it was hard. But anyway, I just appreciate that. And, and, and again, I'm not, I, if you're a mom and you had to work and I get it, like we live in a time in, in history where that is the case in a lot of situations and, and it's unfortunate, but we, we, and I think all of that can be traced back to the feminist movement, but but that's where we are in our culture. And some people have to deal with that and have to, to work and, and have to put their, you know, infants or young children at toddlers in daycare. And I get that, but it's not ideal. And, um, and I wish we could, <laughs> I wish we could kind of go back to the, the roles that God designed. Cause God obviously knows I always say this, God, the father knows best. God knows what's best for us. He designed us in a specific way to function a certain way in marriage, a man and a woman in marriage and a father and a mother and um, the the man's role versus the woman's role. And it, it, it's just that design is how we 
flourish as human beings. It's how we flourish the best as human beings. And so anyway, I hope that helps. Next week, I'll get into the gory details of the feminist movement and we can look at that. It may, it may, be, it may take me two episodes to do it because it's a, a lot of information, but it'll be interesting. And I'm going to give you some crazy quotes from, I, I've read a few books on, on this, but from Christina Hoff Summers' book, Who's, Who Stole Feminism? She's a feminist and she's not a believer, but she has some amazing, crazy quotes about the, the kind of the aggressiveness of the feminist movement now in our culture. Anyway, we'll get to that next week, but thank you guys for watching and I'll see, see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.